Greetings, family. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm reading a story from Chicken Soup for the Soul, a book of miracles. From page 167. Well, hang on. That's not the page. The page is uh, 241 called Thanksgiving Angel. Thanksgiving Angel. The scripture is 1 Corinthians 9.23. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. 1 Corinthians 9.23. The story goes on. It's by Cynthia Billick. And it says, I was 15 years old. My world took a bleak turn for the worst. My mom was diagnosed with cancer again. The first time I had been devastating. She underwent surgery and chemotherapy and she beat the cancer. Then the cancer came back. This time, however, there was more to worry about than just the disease my mom was battling because of the medical bills she was paying from her previous cancer. This illness left her on the brink of financial ruin. My dad had died years before. It was just mom trying to hold down the fort. My mom made too much to qualify for any type of assistance and too little to pay them mounting medical bills. I was too young to get a job. The winter was the worst. We didn't have money to pay for the electricity, so we did without. We had a little gas stove that provided heat and our neighbors let us plug in an extension cord to his home so that we could have one lamp on in our home. The gas stove in the living room was the only heat in the house. I slept on the floor in the living room as close as I could to the stove without setting myself on fire. Mom slept in her cold room with as many blankets as she could pile on her. Every day and every night, my mom prayed and often asked me to pray with her. She thanked God for our blessings, thanked God for each other, and always asked God to give us the strength to get through the hard times we were experiencing. She was never bitter, angry, or demanding. She believed God would see us through it. I, on the other hand, wasn't so sure If God was so good and great, why we were suffering like we were? Why had mom, who still walked to church every Sunday, no matter how cold it was or how sick she felt, gotten cancer again? Sometimes it was hard for me to pray. I was angry at God. I was angry at the world. Life just wasn't fair. Thanksgiving Day came. I searched our cupboards for food, and there wasn't much. I started slamming doors as I looked through the cabinets for a can of food we might have missed. The more I searched, the angry I became. The noise must have woken my mom because she came to the kitchen wrapped in a blanket. She looked worried for, for me and she asked, Baby, what's wrong? I retorted, I'm hungry. That's what's wrong. I was angry at her. I was angry at our situation. I knew I was acting like a jerk, but I couldn't help it. 
She opened her arms towards me and said, Come here, let's pray. I rolled my eyes like that ever works. I knew my words had hurt her, but I was too upset to take them back. She looked at me. The sadness in her eyes killed me. God hears our prayers. We have a million blessings if you just open your eyes to them. Right now, things are hard, but God is here helping us through this. Whatever we need, God will provide. All you have to do is have faith. Pray for what we need, and God will answer. Oh, really? Is that so? I turned on her. If God is so great, why are we starving? If God is so wonderfully, why are we freezing to death in our own house? The hurt look on her face was more than I could bear. I was sickened by my outbursts at her, but I was too angry at God to stop. Hey, God, I yelled up to the ceiling. If you are so powerful and almighty, why don't you send us something to eat? In fact, since it's Thanksgiving, why don't you send us a fat, juicy turkey with all the trimmings? Or are we not good enough for you to send us some food? I looked at the table scornfully. Yeah, that's what I thought. I don't see any Thanksgiving dinner. Do you? I sassed my mom. She stood there, silent, tears running down her face. I was deeply ashamed of what I had done and said, but I was still extremely angry at God in our circumstance. I walked fast, practically running to get out of the house. I yanked the door open, almost colliding with a stocky man in a blue striped shirt carrying an armful of boxes. Oh, just in time, he said, and walked right in. Happy Thanksgiving to you both, he said cheerfully as he put all the boxes on the table. This big box here is a Thanksgiving turkey cooked, of course, and this one is mashed potatoes. This container has gravy. Oh, and this one here is a pumpkin pie, and this one pecan pie. Suddenly, my ears felt full of cotton. I couldn't hear a word he was saying. I could smell the turkey, the stuffing, all the food in those containers. I could see our little table pile up with boxes of food. So you have, you all have a great Thanksgiving, he said. Now, ma'am, if you'll just sign here for the delivery, he handed mom a pen. Mom stared down at the paper, but the entire time the delivery man was staring at me. He had the bluest eyes I ever seen. He took the pen from mom, thanked her, and as he passed me, he touched my shoulder and said, And God bless you, my child. And God bless you, my child. I stood there dumbfounded as he walked out the door, out the house, and closed it behind him. It took a few seconds for me to snap out of it, but I bolted after him. Who was he? Who had sent the Thanksgiving dinner? There had be, to be an explanation. I ran out to our porch and down the steps, but I slipped and fell because frost covered the steps. I ran to the gate at the end of our cement walkway and out of the sidewalk. There was no cars in sight. As I turned back towards the house, one thing stood out in the morning sunlight. 
There was only one set of footprints in the frost that covered our walkway. I stepped closer to the walkway, examining it closely. My footprints were the only footprints that disturbed the frost in our yard. Whenever God seems far away, I remember that Thanksgiving. I remember the angel God sent to cool my anger. That angel, for I have no doubt that is what he was, showed us that God cared enough to bring us food at our time of need and bring faith back to one girl's heart. Cynthia Billick. Good day, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. Fernando. Welcome to today's podcast. I am your uh, recovering. I don't know what I am. I have so many memberships and I'm trying to get everybody all at once. So I'm saying happy Thanksgiving. I know that I cannot drink anymore. I know that I can. uh, Why am I talking? I can't talk excessively anymore. And I know that my actions do not belong in a, in a brawl, in a bar, or any other word. But with little children, with the elderly, with the um, with my friends, having coffee and laughter, and eating uh, some foreign food or something, just having overall life—that's where I belong. Letting go and letting God. Let's go ahead and. Uh, be thankful today. Let us count our blessings. Okay, let's move our toes before we pray the Our Father. Can you move your toes? Let's move our ankles. Thank God that we, we're not with crutches. Thank God for our ankles. Thank God for our, our muscles. Thank God for our bones. How about our knees? Thank you, God, for our knees. Our back. Anybody had a back problem before? Thank you, God, that we can move our back, Lord. We can go forward and back. Thank you, God, for our gut. Thank you for our for our lining. Thank you for our second brain, the stomach. Thank you, God, for our reproductive organs and our elimination processes and uh, buttocks and the whole bit. Thank you, God, for our muscles and our butts. Thank you for our padding. We have pads that we walk around with to sit on permanently. Thank you, God. 
Thank you, God, that we are are clean and sober. We're excited. Thank you for our hearts, our livers, our kidneys. Thank you, Lord, that we are free of disease. Thank you for our lungs, that we can breathe in deeply. Thank you for the breath of air. Thank you, Lord, that we can drink fresh, purified, clean water. And thank you for the wonderful water that's inside of us and the one we drink. Thank you for our blood, our purified blood. The blood that cleanses us and brings oxygen to every part of our body. Thank you, Lord, that we can stretch our muscles. Thank you, Father, that we can be uh, have eyes to see, ears to hear. Thank God for these. We can move our neck. Thank you, God, for our nervous system, Lord. Thank you for our, our vertebrae, our elbows, and our length of our hands, Lord, our billion-dollar hands. And, and thank you for our smiles. Thank you, God, that we have a great smile, Lord, that we're thankful. Our thankfulness is in our smile, Lord, and we thank you for that. All right, let's go ahead and pray the Our Father, please, with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right. Our book, first book for today is Hope for Today, uh, the 25th. We're going to honor our loved ones today by telling them Happy Thanksgiving. November 25th. About two years ago, my parents divorced. At that time, I, I made it clear I was not going to do any meditating. Mediating, excuse me. I did fairly well staying physically out of their problems, but mentally I was a mess. My mother couldn't hear me when I said no. I got to the point that having no contact with either of them seemed to be the best choice for maintaining my sanity. In principle, this was a great idea, except that both my parents and I are actively involved in al service. My father is a dual member, and my mother, I like that dual member, and my mother recently became a group representative. My husband and I were, were with my father at a program conference when my mother walked into the al meeting. I panicked. What shall I do if a conflict arose between them after the meeting? Or if it did, how could I keep from being pulled into it? My husband noticed my reaction and gently reminded me of my tendency to obsess and pro- project. He commented, Together with my Elnon training, reminding me that the best way to handle the situation was to practice let go and let God and do nothing. Later, after writing a little and, and talking with my sponsor, I was able to let both of them go and enjoy the rest of the conference. Didn't I just say that? Let go and let God. Didn't I? Amen. Thought for the day. Elanon teaches me to avoid the have-to syndrome. When I feel like I just absolutely have to do something about a situation, that is not a true crisis. It's best to sit still, do nothing, and wait for my higher power's guidance. 
Now, here's a quote from Kurt of Change out of page 203. When I think of letting go, I remind myself that there is a natural order to life, a chain of events that a higher power has in mind. When I let go of a situation, I allow life to unfold according to the plan. Whew. That's, that's the idea today, guys. Let go and let God. You heard it here. I said it before I read it. Sometimes it just surprises me how it just goes goes so by so easily. It comes out, God's will comes out so quickly. That's what I've been doing the last couple of days. I've been I've been grounding outside, reading, getting some sun, eating lunch in the grass, letting go, and letting God. I heard that science tells us that there's a pulse coming out of the earth. There's a wave of energy. And the only way to get it is with our bare feet and go, or lying on the grass or the ground or the sand, walking in the beachy sand. Beachy. <laughs> and getting one with the, the power of God. The miracle working power of God. That's actually the uh, part of letting go and letting God. Okay, let's move forward to our book, 24 Hours a Day. It says, I am not envious of other people, nor am I so jealous of other people's possessions and talents. When I was, when I was brooding or drinking, I was secretly full of jealousy and envy of those people who could do drink normally and so associate, who had the love and respect of their families, who live a normal life, and were accepted as equals by their friends. I pretended to myself that I was as good as they were, but I knew it wasn't so. Now I don't have to be envious anymore. I try not to want what I don't deserve. I'm content with what I have earned by my efforts to live the right way. More people, more power to those who have what I have not. At least I'm trying. Wow. Have I got rid of the poison of envy? Wow. Beautiful, huh? That's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. That's realistic, guys. Meditation for the day. My soul is restless till it finds its rest in thee. A river flows on until it loses itself in the sea. Our spirits long for the rest in the Spirit of God. We yearn to realize a peace, a rest, a satisfaction that we have never found in the world or its pursuits. Some are not conscious of their needs and shut the door of the Spirit against the Spirit of God. They are unable to have true peace. Prayer for the day. I pray that I may feel the divine unrest. I pray that my soul may find its rest in God. Amen. I remember I used to be one of those that I wouldn't uh, stop to consider anybody's ideas. You know, especially when a loved one dies and the family is in an upheaval. So we have to practice towards those situations. Ground ourselves, practice letting go, practice letting go. Like, for instance, today, a lot of relatives are going to come over or we're going to bump into maybe people that are going to be 
doing things that we don't approve of, like drinking, talking, and carousing, and making a big fuss about things. And we have programs, so best to do is for our light, our program to shine. And we're always in class, you know, letting them know we're always um, seekers of, like the reading said, at least I'm trying to do good, okay? Don't get caught up. Let's not get caught up in fruitless arguments that have that go nowhere. Remember, uh, a fool always returns to his vomit. And even if you hit a fool with a thousand lashes or a thousand words, they still will not change. Even if a fool has seven reasonable people talking to them, seven of them, they'll still stick to their opinion. A.A. Daily Reflections. Oh, I got it in Spanish here. Uh, I, I do a Spanish one, so that's where I mixed my Spanish. Here we go, English. A Powerful Tradition, November 25th. In the years before the publication of the book, Alcoholics Anonymous, we had no name. By a narrow majority, the verdict was for naming our book The Way Out. The Way Out. One of our early loan members found exactly 12 books already titled Low Way Out and registered. So Alcoholics Anonymous became first choice. That's how we got a name for our book of experience, a name for our movement, and as we are now beginning to see, a tradition for the greatest spiritual import. AA Traditions, How It Developed, page 35 and 36. A tradition of the greatest spiritual import. Uh, that's basically what we're doing here. We're passing it on. Beginning with Bill's momentum decision in Akron to make a telephone call rather than visit to the hotel bar and take another drink, how often has a higher power made itself felt at crucial moments in our history? The eventual importance that the principle of anonymity would acquire was but dimly perceived, if at all. In those early days... There seemed to have been an element of chance even in the choice of name of our fellowship. Uh, element of chance. God is no stranger to anonymity and often appears in human affairs in the guises of luck, chance, or coincidence. If, if anonymity somewhat fortuitously became the spiritual basis for all our traditions, perhaps God was acting anonymously on our behalf. All right, now, I don't know what that word is, but we know what it is. It's working, and we're trying, and we're here, and we are a family. I love you. God bless you. Happy Thanksgiving. Let's pray. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working. Thank you very much for coming in today's reading. I'm Fernando. I am an alcoholic. I have uh, 
Rick here with me. We're going to be doing our regular reading, so please listen up. We're going to starting with the page 24. We are construction workers constructing our day for today. And I guess the message for today is let go and let God. For happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Let's pray the, uh, the set-aside prayers. It says, God, please help me set aside everything I think I know about you, everything I think I know about myself, my fellow man, and about these steps for a fresh new revelation in you, Lord, in myself, in my fellow man, and these steps for your service and for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Amen. Okay, would you please get us started, Rick, on a couple of... Thank you. Okay. Uh, back to the most alcoholics, the reason they have obscure, have lost power of choice, drink our so-called willpower because practically non-existent. We are able uh, unable to certain times to bring forth into our consciousness a significant force of memory of suffering of humiliation, even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against for strength. The almost certain consequences following even a glass of beer do not crowd the mind and deter us. If these thoughts occur, they are hazily or rapidly supplanted by the old thinker idea. This time we shall handle ourselves like other people. There is a complete failure against this event that keeps one from putting his hands on a hot stove. The alcoholic may say to himself in the most casual way, it won't burn me this time, so here's how, or perhaps he doesn't think at all. How often have some of us begun to drink in this nonchalant way, and after the third or fourth, pounded on the bar and said to ourselves, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? Only to have that thought supplanted by, well, I'll stop with the sixth drink, or what's the use anyhow? When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendency, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid, and unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history, but for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more more convincing demonstrations. So many want to stop, but cannot. There is a solution most of us like the self-searching level of our pride, the convictions of our shortcomings, which the progress requires for a successful consumption We, But we saw it really work in others, and we had to come to believe in all the fertility of life that we had been living in when, therefore, we were approached by those who the problem had been solved. There was nothing that left us for us to do but pick up a spittle. Simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven and have been broken into a fourth dimension of existence, but we have not even dreamed. The great fact is just this, and nothing less, that we have had a deep, effective spiritual experience which have revolutionized the whole attitude towards life, towards our fellows, uh, and towards God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has accomplished and commenced those things which we could never do by ourselves. If you are seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there's no middle of the road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and if we pass into the region from which there is no return through human aid, 
We had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other was to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. Page 62, please. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past we have made decisions based on self which later places in a position to be hurt. So our troubles we think are based on our own being. They arise out of ourselves. And the alcoholic is example of something over our right, although he usually doesn't think so. Above uh, everything, the alcoholic must be rid of the substance. He must sort of kill us. God makes that possible. It often seems that there's no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us had moral, physiological convictions galore, but we had to, uh, we could not live up to them, even though we would have liked to. You know, could we reduce our self centeredness much by wishing or trying our own power? We had to have God's help. This is how the why. First of all, we had to quit playing God and didn't work. We decided that after draw of life, that God was going to be our director. He is our principal. He is, uh, we are his agents. He is the father, we are we are his children. Most good ideas are simple. This concept is a keystone new triumph of ours where we can pass through freedom. When we sincerely take such a position, all sorts of remarkable things follow. We had a new employer, being all powerful, he provided what we needed. If we kept close to him and perform his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in our plans ourselves and designs more and more we became interested in what we could contribute to life as we felt new power flow in as we enjoyed peace of mind as we discovered we could face life successfully as we became conscious of his presence we began to lose our fear of today tomorrow or the hereafter we were reborn we were now at step three many of us said to our maker as we understood him God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those that would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Page 76, please. When ready, we say something like this, my creator, I'm now willing to do that you should have all of me, good or bad. I pray now to remove me from every single defect of character which stands in my way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me the strength as I go out there to your pity. Amen. We have now completed step seven. Page 86, please. Seeking motors under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with 
insurance where I'm brought down here, especially use our thought life and place on a much higher plane. When our thinking is clear of wrong ones, they thinking about our day, we uh, may face indecisions which we may not be able to determine which course to take. Here's where we ask for God for inspiration or tutor of thought or decision. We relax, we take it easy, we don't stall. We are often surprised how right the answers come after we try this for a while. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption and all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. We usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. The circumstances warrant we ask for our wives and friends in morning meditation uh, to begin to we belong to a religious domination requires a definite morning devotion that we attend and also live. Not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles that we've been discussing. There are many helpful books and suggestions of these about these may be obtained by one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right, make use of what they have to offer. As we go through the day, we pause and agitate and doubtful. We ask for the right the thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. Um, <clears throat> we say to ourselves many times each day, I will be done. And we are then must less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, foolish decisions, and we become more and more efficient. We do not tire, we tire so easily. We are not bringing up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to raise our lives to ourselves. Amen. Page 416, please. 416. It helped me a great deal to become convinced that alcoholism was a disease, not a moral issue that I have been drinking as a result of a compulsion, even though I have not been aware of that compulsion at that time, and that sobriety was not a matter of willpower. The people of AA had something that looked much better than what I had, but I was afraid to let go of what I had in order to try something new. There was a certain sense of security in the familiar. At last, acceptance proved to be the key to my drinking problem. After I've been around AA for seven months, tapering off alcohol and pills, now finding the program working very well, I was finally able to say, okay, God, it is true that I, of all people, strange as it may seem, and even though I didn't give my permission, really, really am an alcoholic of sorts, and it, it is all right with me, now what am I going to do about it? When I stopped living in the problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away. From that moment on, I have not had a single compulsion to drink. Acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. Even though I'm disturbed about it, it's because I find some personal pleasure thing or situation that's some fact of my life unacceptable to me. I can find no serenity until I accept this person, place, or thing or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be at this, at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world I was taken until I accept my alcoholism 
so worthless. I accept my life completely. That life serves. I cannot be happy. I need to uh, concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world and what needs to be changed in me and my attitude. Shakespeare said, "All the world's a stage, and all the men and women are really players." You forgot to mention I was chief critic. I was always able to see a flaw in every person, every situation, and I was always glad to point it out because I knew he wanted perfection, just as I did. AA, etc., has taught me that there's a bit of good in the worst of us, and a bit of bad in the best of us, and that we are all children of God, and we each have the right to be here. When I complain about me, when I complain about me or about you, I complain about God's handiwork. I'm saying I know better than God. For years, <clears throat> I was sure that the worst thing that could happen to a nice like guy like me would be that I would turn out to be an alcoholic. Today, I find it is the best thing that has ever happened to me. This proves I don't know what's good for me, and if I don't know what's good for me, then I don't know what's good or bad for you or for anyone. So I am better off if I don't give advice, don't figure I know what's best, and just accept life on life's terms as it is today, especially my own life, as it actually is. Before AA, I judged myself by my intentions while the world was judging me by my actions. Acceptance has been the answer to my marital problems. It is as though AA had given me a new pair of glasses. Max and I have been married now for 35 years. Prior to our marriage, when she was a shy, scrawny adolescent, I was able to see things in her that others couldn't necessarily see. Things like beauty, charm, gaiety, a gift for being easy to talk to, a sense of humor, and many other fine qualities. It was as if I had, rather than a Midas touch, which turned everything to gold. A magnifying mind that magnified whatever it focused on. Over the years, as I thought about Max, her good qualities grew and grew. And we married. And all these qualities became more and more apparent to me. And we were happier and happier. But as I drank more and more, the alcohol seemed to affect my vision. And so continued to see my wife's good. That was good about my wife. I began to see her defects the more I... Focus on her, my mind out of her defects, the more they grew and multiplied. Every defect I uh, poured out to her became greater and greater. Each time I told her she was nothing, she reduced a little bit more to nowhere. The more I tried, the more she wilted. Then one day in AA, I was told that I had the lenses of my glasses backwards. The courage to change in the serene blur meant that I should change my, that I should change my marriage, right? I should change myself and learn to accept myself as she was. AA had given me a new pair of glasses. I did then focus on my wife's good qualities. could do the same thing with an AA meeting. The more I focus my mind on its defects, late starts, long, drunk along, cigarettes, smoke, the worse the meeting becomes. But when I try to see what I can add to the meeting rather than what I can get out of it, and when I focus my mind on what's good about it rather than what's wrong with it, the meeting keeps getting better and better. When I focus on what's good today, I have a good day. And when I focus on what's bad, I have a bad day. If I focus on a problem, the problem increases. If I focus on the answer, the answer increases. Page 420, please. Perhaps, perhaps the best thing of all for me is to remember that my serenity is inversely proportional to my expectations. The higher my expectations of Max and other people are, the lower is my serenity. I can watch my serenity level rise when I discard my expectations. But then my rights try to move in, and they too can force my serenity level down. I have to discard my rights as well as my expectations by asking myself, how important is it really? How important is it compared to my serenity, my emotional sobriety, 
And when I place more value on my serenity and sobriety than on anything else, I can maintain them at a higher level, at least for the time being. Seven is the key to my relationship with God today. I never sit around and do nothing while whatever I'm telling what to do. Rather, I do whatever is in front of me when it needs to be done. I have to leave the results up to Him, however it turns out as God's will for me. I must keep my magic mind by mind on my acceptance and off my expectations, where my serenity level is, is directly proportional to my level of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see I've never had it so good. Thank God for it. Page 552, please. He said, in effect, if you have resentment you want to be free of, if you will pray for that person or the thing that you resent, you will be free. If you will ask in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their health, their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free. Even when you really don't want it for them and your prayers are only words and you don't mean it, Go ahead, do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks and you will find you have to come to mean it and want it for them. And you will realize that where you used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassionate, understanding, and love. It worked for me then and it has worked for me many times since and it will work for me every time I am willing to work it. Sometimes I have to ask first for the willingness, but it too always comes. And because it works for me, it will work for all of us. As another great man says, the only freedom a human being can ever know is doing what you ought to do because you want to do it. This great experience that released me from the bondage of hatred and replaced it with love is really just another affirmation of the truth I know. I get everything I need in Alcoholics Anonymous and everything I need, I get. And when I get what I need, I am barely find that it was just what I wanted all the time. Page 100, please. Well, here's a new man must walk day by day in a path of spiritual progress. If you persist, more remarkable things will happen. When you look back and you realize there are things that came to us which put ourselves in God's hands where we were better than anything we could ever plan. Follow Jenkins of a higher power and you will presently live in a new, wonderful world uh, no matter what your no matter what your present circumstances. Eighty-three. <clears throat> oh yeah. Oh, page one hundred. Yeah, eighty-three. <laughs> <clears throat> Thank you. If we are basic about this phase of development, we were made before we were halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom, a new. We will have to know a new freedom, a new happiness. We will not regret the past when we shut the door and we will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace no matter how far down the scale we have got. We will see how our experience have, can benefit others and the feeling of useless self pity will disappear. We will lose interest in our conversations and gain interest in our fellows. Our self seeking will strip away our whole attitude towards the uh, outlook on life will change. Fear of people eat that out of insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle our situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these flattering promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. We will always materialize if we work for them. Page 85. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We're headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle fall. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. 
Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. If we have carefully followed directions, we have begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God conscious. We have begun to develop the vital success, but we must go further, and that means more action. Page 43, please. Once more, the alcohol at certain times has no effect on its defense against its first strength. Except for a few cases, neither nor any other human being could be provide such defense. This defense must come from a higher power. Yeah. <clears throat> wonderful, wonderful. Thank you very much for coming on here today, Rick. Uh, have a happy Thanksgiving, huh? Yeah, have a happy Thanksgiving. Take care. Tell Anderson, happy Thanksgiving. Oh, I certainly will. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Melan Carruthers book, Praise Works, starting on page 168. Our first letter is from an 11-year-old, a diabetic. Two years ago, when I was 11, I had to go to the hospital with the symptoms of diabetes. I accepted my disease and was well-controlled diabetic. Last October, my mother really got closer to Jesus. One day she asked me if I thought God could heal me, and I said yes. Then she read Matthew eighteen nineteen. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, they shall ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. We agree that God would heal me, and he is doing it. My insulin comes down little by little. Praise the Lord. God let me get diabetes for a reason, and I really do want him, thank him for it. My life is an adventure now. I wrote you this letter because I wanted to tell you I learned a few things from your book, Prison of Praise. I pray for you, and I wish you would pray for me too. My comments. Thank the Lord for the faith of a child. We can all learn something from the simple acceptance of God's promise. Candy and ice cream can be pretty important to a teenager, but God will supply all our needs when they are given to him. The young girl could have endured many months of agonizing hunger for candy and other forbidden foods, but instead she had enjoyed the peace that Jesus offers. On the mouth of children, you have made perfect praise, Matthew twenty-one sixteen. On the mouth, on the mouth of children, you have made perfect praise. Our next letter is called, I Thought I Understood. I read Prisoner Praise and Power and Praise, and I heard you speaking about praising God for everything. I believe what you said, and praising God for everything has become a firmly fixed part of my life. Then something really happened that tore me apart. I wanted to thank God for it, but couldn't. It was the opposite of everything that I wanted for my life. 
I could see no possible good ever coming out of the situation. No good at all. The only thing I could say was, God, I am not able to thank you, but I am willing. I kept telling God this through my tears. Then the impossible happened. God took my problem and used it to work out the most glorious peace and joy I have ever had. Life seems so continuously joyful that I've been literally acting like an intoxicated person. The amazing thing is that this new joy keeps going on and on. My comments. If God's promises are only for those who live quiet, undisturbed lives, most of us are out of luck. Trouble and strife seem to be shadows that follow us. But God's promise to supply all our needs are as firm as un and unfailing as the law of gravity. Put your faith in God's promise to meet your every need, and God will bring peace to you. This is the law he revealed to us through Christ Jesus. Do not be discouraged if you have to go through problems. Personal experience is a far better teacher than anything that others can tell you about God. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. 2 Corinthians 1.20 No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. NIV Again, remember this. This is important. If God's promises are only for those who live quiet, undisturbed lives, most of us are out of luck. Trouble and strife seem to be the shadow that follow us. But God's promise to supply all our needs are as firm and unfailing as the law of gravity. Put your faith in God's promise in the words themselves to meet your every need. And quote the words, and God will bring peace to you. This is the law, the written law he revealed to us through Christ Jesus. Do not be discouraged if you have to go through problems. Stay on it. Personal experience of getting through it is far better teacher than anything that others can tell us about how the system works with God. Capriche, got it? Okay, our next letter is Victory in Grief. My husband had been an army chaplain for 20 years. When he retired, he looked as if we had many happy years ahead of us. That's what it looked like. His death from a heart attack was completely unexpected. And it shattered me. I was not prepared for anything like that. But I learned one truth that came to my rescue. I knew that in God's word, I could find help. Each morning, I rose at 5.30, went to the beach, and read the Bible. Verse after verse kept telling me to rejoice, be thankful, and praise God for everything. Within a few weeks, a marvelous peace filled my heart. As I thanked the Lord for my life as it was, he came to me in a way that was more real than I had ever known. I knew I was not alone. How I praise him for the wonderful power there is in praise. Please keep spreading the message of thanksgiving so many others will know peace instead of grief. My Comments one person loses a loved one and endures years of agony. Another learns the peace that comes to us through praise. God provided the mystery of electricity to ease man's burdens. For thousands of years, man did not enjoy this luxury. 
Many still do not, although provision was made by our Creator. In the same way, many people still carry their own burdens. Though He has provided freedom through praise, I will sacrifice a free will offering to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. Psalms 54, verse 6. I will sacrifice a free will offering to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. Psalms 54, 6. Our next letter is called Back Injury. I have a problem that I can't solve. We have a 47-year-old son who has been in the Army since he was 18. He had a severe back injury several years ago, and he suffers constantly. He had surgery three times, spent time at Mayo Clinic, and has spent many months in the hospital in his hometown. The Mayo doctor sent him home with a steel brace for his back and told him they were afraid to attempt any further surgery. He suffers so much. In your book, you tell of many miracle healings. I believe in God's healing power, but as hard as I pray, I can't seem to get through. I am sick too and have many financial difficulties. My main concern now, however, is the illness of our son. He has a wonderful wife and four lovely children, but life is hardly worth living when one suffers with every breath. My answer. My answer. God is also very much interested in your son. Often a parent does not realize that God is using even sickness to help his children. If you will believe that God is using your son's back problem and his pain to help him, this will release God's power to do what he wants to do. If you are fearful and afraid, you hold back the mighty healing power of our Heavenly Father. The natural anxiety of a mother's love will not release the supernatural power of God to bring supernatural healing. Remember, as you reach out your hand that Jesus is always there to touch you and to meet your needs, please believe and trust in him. Christ Jesus is at the right hand of God and is also intercessing for us. Romans 8.34 Jesus Christ is, is at the right hand of God of God and is also intercessing, interceding for us in debt. I've been a Christian for 16 years. I was saved when I was 12 years old, but I have been terribly depressed since my marriage eight years ago. The relationship is not pleasant. My husband will not stop charging things and we're in debt up to our ears. He has a good job and is a good friend to the governor of our state. We go to church every Sunday. I teach organ. We both sing in our church choir and teach Sunday school classes. But there's still something wrong. For eight years, I lived in a prison, you might say. And now, since reading your book, I know there's freedom and happiness for me. I know it lies in Jesus, but I don't believe he is with me. Please pray for my life and my needs. I feel I can't keep my head up any longer. I praise God for my problems, but still I can't understand why. 
My answer. If nothing was going wrong in your life, you would probably relax and be so content that you would not realize your own great need for God. You find your peace in having things in a good, decent order. If these needs were met, you would not be crying out for God's help. Your spiritual need is great, and God loves you so much that he has permitted the problems that would draw you to him. If you were out of the human prison that you write about, you could still be in a spiritual prison. Ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. He will help you find great victory in Christ. He will take your depression and fill you with his joy, regardless of what your husband does. God will use you to bring new light and understanding to others who have problems similar to yours. Since God has given you a desire to be out of your prison, he's also provided people around you who can help. Seek them and you will find them. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son he loves. Colossians 1.13, NIV. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Our next letter is Why No Tongues? Jesus is my Lord. He is with me. Devout and dear Christians have prayed for me, but I still do not speak in tongues. What is wrong with me? Instead of a joyful spirit, I have a sad and sorrowful spirit. I want to speak in tongues and to, to have a closer walk with my Lord. I believe in the Lord and know all things are possible. And I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. Or am I only saved? He heals me, hears me, and saves me. But please, please pray for me. I want more of the Lord's Holy Spirit. My minister tells me that speaking in tongues is of the devil. My comment. Praying in the Spirit is an opportunity given to us by God to believe what His Son promised. To believe what His Son promised. Turn to the 16th chapter of Mark and find that Jesus gave you a promise. His promise was to give a new language to everyone who believed. Your problem is you have not believed that promise. Your problem is you have not believed that promise. If the Holy Spirit disregarded your lack of faith, you would never have realized how important it is to believe Christ's promises. How important is it to believe Christ's promises? When we fail to trust Jesus, we do not have a joyful spirit. To disbelieve him brings sadness. This can happen even to those who have accepted him as Savior. You can want to speak in tongues, but still be bound by your lack of faith in what Jesus said. You write, I believe in the Lord and know all things are possible with God. But in this one thing you have not believed. Like many people, you believe that he is able to give you a new language, but you do not believe that he has already done it. Please accept his promise and believe that the new language is yours. When you do believe, then in faith, open your mouth and let the Holy Spirit speak through you in words that you do not understand. 
Be prepared for the devil to tell you that it is only your imagination. He tells this to everyone he always wants to discredit. Everything that the Holy Spirit does, he wants us to disbelieve. Everything Christ told us. We have the joyful opportunity to decide whether we believe Christ or the devil. Unbelievers may tell you they believe that speaking in tongue is of the devil. Here again, you must decide whether you will accept what men say or what Christ said. For many years, I was uncertain how I should feel towards those who believe and teach that praying in tongues was of the devil. I tried to keep an open mind so that I would not be critical of those who did not believe as I did. Then the Holy Spirit ministered very powerful to me and said, You must not remain silent about those who say my work is of the devil. I understood. In a new way, the danger anyone places themselves in, if they accuse the Holy Spirit of speaking by the devil, this was the sin Jesus spoke about. He said, man could speak against God and against him, but warn strongly against speaking evil of the Holy Spirit. I therefore speak out against any group or organization or fellowship that says speaking in tongues or the baptism in the Holy Spirit are of the devil. You should have no part of them. Give them no encouragement or assistance in whatever they are doing. I am not speaking against any person or group of believers who disagree, disagree with me. I am spe speaking specifically about any group that openly condemns the Holy Spirit and declares his work to be of the devil. There are many who do not yet understand the working of the Holy Spirit, and for them I have only love and understanding. They are praising God and worshiping Him as they understand Him. I encourage you to help love and hold them up to God. He loves them and wants us to love them. People do not have to agree with us in theology and in practice in order for us to have blessed Christian fellowship with them. I am only led to be directly and positively against any person or group who considers the working of the Holy Spirit to be the work of the devil. I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Matthew 12, 31. I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will be not forgiven. Scriptures on Victory Psalm 60, verse 12 Through God we should do valiantly, for it is He that shall tread down our enemies. Through God we shall do valiantly, for He it is that shall tread down our enemies. Psalm 92.4 For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands.
John 16.33 These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you should have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Acts 19.20 So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Romans 8.2 For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8.31 What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.37 Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Romans twelve twenty one. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 12.21 Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. First Corinthians 15.57 But thanks be to God, which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians two fourteen. 
Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and make it manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and make it manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. Ephesians 6.10 Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. First John 2.13 I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. First John 4.4 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. 1 John 5, 4 For whatever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. For whatever soever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. 
Revelations 2.17 He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saying, He that receiveth it. He that had an ear, let him hear what the Spirit say unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in this stone a new name written, which no man know it, saving he that receive it. Revelations two twenty six twenty eight. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I receive of my father, and I will give him the morning star. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I receive of my father, and I will give him the morning star. Revelation 3, 5. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Revelation 3.12 him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Revelation 3.21 To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me 
in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. Revelation 3.21 To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. Revelation 12.11 And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Revelation 21 7 He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God. And he shall be my son. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God. And he shall be my son. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yeah, I will help thee. Yeah, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Isaiah 41.10 Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yeah, I will help thee. Yeah, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Isaiah 54, 14, 15. In righteousness shall thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression. For thou shalt not fear and from terror. For it shall not come near thee. Behold, they shall sh surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. The 
Proverbs 19.23 The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that has it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that has it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. Second Corinthians 2.14 Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, make it manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. Proverbs 12.21 There shall no evil happen to the just, but the wicked shall be filled with mischief. There shall no evil happen to the just, but the wicked shall be filled with mischief. Proverbs 12.13 The wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips, but the just shall come out of trouble. The wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips, but the just shall come out of trouble. Proverbs 8, 11, 8. The righteous is delivered out of trouble, and the wicked cometh in his stead. The righteous is delivered out of trouble, and the wicked cometh in his stead. Psalms 138.7 Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou will revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hand against the wrath of my enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hand against the wrath of my enemies, and the right hand shall save me. Psalms 107, verse 6. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of all their distress. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress. Psalm 94, 12 and 13. Blessed is the man whom thou chasteneth, O Lord, and teacheth him out of thy law, that thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity, the pit be digged for the wicked.
Blessed is the man whom thou chasteneth, O Lord, and teacheth him out of thy law, that thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for the wicked. Psalm 86, 7. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou will answer me. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Psalm sixty eleven. Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Psalms 54, 7. For he has delivered me out of all the trouble, and my eye have seen his desire upon my enemies. For he has delivered me out of all my trouble, and my eye has seen his desire upon my enemy. Psalms 50, verse 14 and 15. Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the worst, unto the most high, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Psalms 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 37, 18 and 19. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright. And their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time. And in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright. And their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time. And in the day of famine, they shall be satisfied. Psalms thirty four seventeen The righteous cry and the Lord hear it and deliver them out of all their troubles. The righteous cry and the Lord hear it and deliver them out of all their troubles. Psalm 34, 6. 
This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Second Kings seventeen thirty nine, but the Lord your God, you shall fear, and He shall deliver you out of the land of all your enemies. But the Lord your God, you shall fear, and He shall deliver you out of the hand of all your enemies. Second Samuel twenty two forty eight forty nine. It is God that avengeth me, and that bringeth down the people under me, and that bringeth me forth from my enemies. Thou also hast lifted me up on high above them that rose up against me. Thou hast delivered me from the violent men. Second Samuel twenty two eighteen and nineteen. He delivered me from my strong enemy, and from them that hated me. For they were too strong for me; they prevented me in the day of my calamity. But the Lord was my stay. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them that hated me, for they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. Revelation twelve eleven, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto death. Greetings, greeting from Jesus Calling. Approach problems with a light touch. When your mind moves towards a problem area, you tend to focus on the situation so intensely that you lose sight of me, Jesus. You put yourself against a difficulty as if you had to conquer it immediately. Your mind gears up for battle and your body becomes tense and anxious. Unless you achieve total victory, you feel defeated. There is a better way. When a problem starts to overshadow your thoughts, bring this matter to me. Talk with me about it and look at it in the light of my presence. This puts some 
much needed space between you and your concern, enabling you to see from my perspective. You will be surprised at the results. Sometimes you may even laugh at yourself for being so serious about something so insignificant. You will always face trouble in this life, but more importantly, you will always have me with you, helping you to handle whatever you encounter. Approach problem with a light touch by viewing them in my revealing light. As you look at the day before you, you see a twisted, complicated path with branches going off in all directions. You wonder how you can possibly find your way through the maze. Then you remember the one who is with you always, holding you by your right hand. You recall my priorities to guide you with my counsel, and you begin to relax. As you look again at the path ahead, you notice that a peaceful fog has settled over it, obscuring your view. You can see only a few steps in front of you, so you turn your attention more fully to me and begin to enjoy my presence. The fog is a protection for you, calling you back into the present moment. Although I inhabit all of space and time, you can communicate with me only here and now. Someday the fog will no longer be necessary, for you will have learned to keep your focus on me and on the path just ahead of you. There is no condemnation to those who are in me. The law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Not many Christians know how to live in this radical freedom which is their birthright. I die to set you free. Live freely in me. To walk along the path of freedom, you must keep your mind firmly fixed on me. Many voices proclaim, this is the way for you to go, but only my voice tells you the true way. If you follow the way of the world with all its glitter and glamour, you will descend deeper and deeper into an abyss. Christian voices can lead you astray. Do this, don't do that. Pray this way, don't pray that way. If you listen to all those voices, you will become increasingly confused. Be content to a simple sheep. Listening for my voice and following me, I will lead you into restful green pastures and guide you along Paths of Righteousness. Come to me and rest in my peace. My face is shining upon you in rays of peace transcending understanding. Instead of trying to figure things out yourself, you can relax in the presence of the one who knows everything. As you lean on me in trusting dependence, you feel peaceful and complete. This is how I designed you to live, in close communion with me. When you are around other people, you need tend to cater to their expectations, real or imagined. You feel enslaved to pleasing them, and your awareness of my presence grows dim. Your efforts to win their approval eventually exhaust you. You will Offer these people dry crumbs rather than the living water of my spirit.
flowing through you. This is not my way for you. Stay in touch with me. Even during your busiest moments, let my spirit give you words of grace. You live in the light of my peace. Leave outcomes up to me. Follow me wherever I lead without worrying about how it will all turn out. Think of your life as an adventure with me as your guide and compassion. Live in the now. Concentrate on staying in step with me. When our path leads to a cliff, be willing to climb it with my help. When we come to a resting place, take time to be refreshed in my presence. Enjoy the rhythm of life. Live close to me. You already know the ultimate destination of your journey, your entrance into heaven. So keep your focus on the path just before you leaving out comes up to me. I am pleased with you, my child. Allow yourself to become fully aware of my pleasure shining upon you. You don't have to perform well in order to receive my love. In fact, a performance focus will pull you away from me towards some sort of area. This can be a subtle form of idolatry, worshiping your own good works. It can also be a source of deep discouragement when your works don't measure up to your expectations. Shift your focus from your performance to my radiant presence. The light of my love shining on you continually regardless of your feelings or behavior. Your responsibility is to be receptive to this unconditional love. Thankfulness and trust are your primary receptors. Thank me for everything. Trust me in all t at all times. These simple disciplines will keep you open to my loving presence. Thank me thoroughly this day for my presence and my peace. These are gifts of supernatural proportion. Ever since the resurrection, I have comforted my followers with these messages. Peace be with you, and I am with you always. Listen as I offer you my peace and presence in full measure. The best way to receive these glorious gifts is to thank me for them. It is impossible to spend too much time thanking and praising me. I created you first and foremost to glorify me. Thanksgiving and praise put you in proper relationship with me, opening the way for my riches to flow into you. As you thank me for my presence and peace and appropriate my richest gift. A thankful attitude opens windows of heaven. Spiritual blessings fall freely unto you through those openings into eternity. Moreover, as you look up with a grateful heart, you get glimpses of glory through those windows. You cannot yet live in heaven, but you can experience foretaste of your ultimate home. Such samples of heavenly fare revive your hope. Thankfulness opens you up to these experiences, which then provide further reasons to be grateful. Thus your path becomes an out 
upward spiral ever increasing in gladness. Thankfulness is not some sort of magic formula. It is the language of love which enables you to communicate intimately with me. A thankful mind sets, does not entail a denial of reality with this plethora of problems. Instead, it rejoices in me, your Savior, in the midst of trials and tribulations. I am your refuge and strength and ever-present and well-proved help in times of trouble. As you sit quietly in my presence, let me fill your heart and mind with thankfulness. This is the most direct way to achieve a thankful stance. If your mind needs a focal point, gaze at my love poured out for you on the cross. Remember that nothing in heaven or on earth can separate you from that love. This remembrance builds a foundation of gratitude in you, a foundation that circumstances cannot shake. As you go through this day, look for tiny treasures strategically placed along the way. I lovingly go before you and plant little pleasures to brighten your day. Look carefully for them and pluck them one by one. When you reach the end of the day, you will have gathered a lovely bouquet. Offer it up to me with a grateful heart. Receive my peace as you lie down to sleep with thankful thoughts playing a lullaby in your mind. Thankfulness takes the sting out of adversity. That is why I have instructed you to give thanks for everything. There is an element of mystery in this transaction. You give me thanks regardless of your feelings, and I give you joy regardless of your circumstances. This is a spiritual act of obedience, at times blind obedience. To people who don't know me intimately, it can seem irrational and even impossible to thank me for heart-treading hardships. Nonetheless, those who obey me in this way are invariably blessed, even though difficulties may remain. Thankfulness opens your heart to my presence and your mind to my thoughts. You may still be in the same place with the same set of circumstances, but it is as if a light has been switched on, enabling you to see from my perspective. It is the light of my presence that removes the sting from adversity. Thank me frequently as you journey through the day. This practice makes it possible to pray without ceasing, as the Apostle Paul taught. If you are serious about learning to pray continually, the best approach is to thank me in every situation. These thankful prayers provide a solid foundation on which you can build all your other prayers. Moreover, a grateful attitude makes it easier for you to communicate with me. When your mind is occupied with thanking me, you have no time for worrying or complaining. If you practice thankfulness consistently, negative thought patterns will gradually grow weaker and weaker. Draw, me to, draw near to me with a grateful heart, 
and my presence will fill you with joy and peace. This is the day that I have made. As you rejoice in this day of life, it will yield up to you precious gift and beneficial training. Walk with me along the high road of thanksgiving, and you will find all the delights I have made ready for you. To protect your thankfulness, you must remember that you reside in a fallen world where blessings and sorrows intermingle freely. A constant focus in adversity defeats many Christians. They walk through a day is brimming with beauty and brightness, seeing only the greatness of their thoughts, neglecting the practice of giving thanks, has darkened their minds. How precious are my children who remember to thank me at all times. They can walk through the darkest days with joy in their hearts because they know that the light of my presence is still shining on them. Rejoice in this day that I have made, for I am your steadfast companion.